Very familiar passage of Scripture, Acts chapter number 2 and verse number 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent. Everybody said repent. Everybody said repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the, rem for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I want to talk to us here for a few moments this morning on the three dimensions of repentance. The three dimensions of repentance. I know we've praised the Lord a bunch here today and already moved with God, but I wonder if we could lift our hands and ask for the entrance of the Word of God into every heart, into every mind, into every life, every situation. We ask it in Jesus' name. bless you. You may be seated. It's good to be standing up here in this place. I am in my place today. We've been blessed and privileged to have numerous anointed ministers come in and bless us and preach. And uh, I am glad to be in my place this morning. I could have taken my text this morning from any number of scriptures that deal with repentance. Repentance and the call to repent spans both testaments and is found from Genesis forward slash Exodus all the way to the book of Revelation. Without controversy, repentance is the greatest gift ever given to mankind. I really believe that. In fact, I would not be here this morning without repentance. I thank God for Him granting the human race repentance. Essentially, the word repentance means to turn, it means to change. We have 12-step programs. We have psychiatry, psychology. From the cradle of civilization, it seems, until now, there has been a humanistic approach to help people change their ways, change their behavior, and change their direction. But God has furnished the most reliable and it comes through this word repentance. It means to change, to turn from a sinful lifestyle. True repentance is 
a necessary requirement and expression of what the Bible calls godly sorrow. It is when you talk about godly sorrow, you are not talking about somebody that's sorry because they got caught. And they are not sorry because of their reputation. And they are not sorry about uh, any of the human considerations that would be involved with that. But godly sorrow is a recognition of what we have done to God, much like David when Nathan the prophet came and was used to bring him to an altar of recognition and repentance when David said, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan immediately responded by saying, the Lord hath put away thy sin and you shall not die. It is a godly recognition of what our actions or direction have done to God. Hallelujah. While millions and millions of human beings have repented over the last 2,000 years, biblically people like King David, the Apostle Peter, thousands on the day of Pentecost, there is a growing list biblically and in real time of those that have never repented. Even in the Word of God, we do not find a record of Adam, the first man, ever finding a place of godly sorrow. We do not see that attitude in Cain that slew his brother and began to live his life as a fugitive and a vagabond. We never see a place where Esau, might have been one of the reasons why God said, and Esau have I hated, that Esau traded the birthright and the blessing for a bowl of pottage and the Bible said in Hebrews 12, could find no place of repentance. Judas, Alexander the coppersmith, the list goes on. People whose diabolical deeds were never eradicated and erased, never having found a place of repentance. It says in the book of 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9, that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Ladies and gentlemen, God does not send people to hell. I'm, I'm gonna, I'll just go ahead and just preach all by myself here today. God does not send anybody to hell. God provides you with a way out of going to hell. God provides you with a way out of being miserable. God provides you with a way out. Oh, let's clap our hands and give him praise. It is not his will that any should perish. God takes no delight in the destruction of the wicked. But it is the will of God that all come to repentance. Jesus even made this statement in the gospel saying, Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Repentance and the call to repent is at the very foundation of the New Testament. In Matthew chapter number 3, we see John the Baptist, the very first message that comes out of his lips is a call to repentance. Even Jesus in Luke chapter number 13 
Jesus preached repentance in Mark chapter number 1 and Luke chapter number 13. Peter preached repentance. Paul preached repentance. The pastors of the seven churches of Asia Minor, they were commanded to preach repentance. Although repentance is furnished to us and to every individual with forgiveness and the promise of new direction, there is more going on with repentance dynamically. When we talk about a dimension of repentance, we are talking about that something that happens here, something that happens here on earth, it'll even happen in this service here today, it affects another world. It affects another dimension. It affects somewhere else. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 7 and verse number 10, this is the first dimension of repentance. And the first dimension of repentance is that of revenge. Now you're probably thinking, I didn't come here today to hear how bad God's going to get me today. Well, you're going to be blessed because I didn't come here to tell you how bad God's wanting to get you today. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 10. Godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be made sorry, sorrow of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. I've already explained that. The sorrow of, the death, of, of death um, is talking about when a person gets caught and they haven't really found that place of genuine repentance. They are concerned about what their mom and dad's going to do. They're concerned about their reputation. Those are valid concerns. But it shouldn't trump finding a place of godly sorrow. And when you find godly sorrow, you are able to find that place in, in the spirit or in your heart where you say, God, I did this to you. I did this in, in view of your word. I did this in view of what I know about you. I did this in view of your promises. I did this in view of everything. And you are repenting to God. And I want to tell you, when you do that, God is quick to forgive. God doesn't hold it over your head. God doesn't bring it, oh, somebody help me out right now. God doesn't continually remind you about that. Godly sorrow doesn't work death. Godly sorrow actually works life. Hallelujah. I want us to read the very next verse because the apostle is explaining godly sorrow. For behold, this self-same thing. These are the characteristics of godly sorrow. For behold, this selfsame thing that you sorrowed after a godly sword, what carefulness it wrought in you. When you truly repent with a godly sorrow, you come out of that repentance with a carefulness, a humility, a carefulness that says, I don't want to ever do that again. I don't, I don't ever want to get close to the fence again. I don't ever want to get close to, 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 to having a relapse. Somebody help me out right now. Some of you that have experienced this need to preach with me right now. If, you, if you've got that kind of carefulness, it's like, I don't ever want to go through that again. I don't ever want to do that again. I want to please God this time. It wrought what clearing of yourselves. 
If you're still feeling guilty and ashamed after you've truly repented, that is not the will of God. Because when you, when, when God accepts your repentance, you are cleared. You are cleared to move forward. You are cleared to go beyond. You are cleared to become whatever God deems you to be. You are cleared to put it in your rearview mirror and say, come on, somebody help me out. What carefulness, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation. That indignation is against your past sin. It's against that type of behavior. It's not towards yourself. It's against that type of behavior. Yea, what indignation. Yea, what fear. That is not panic. That is not dread. That is a reverence for the things of God. That is a reverence for the blood of the Lamb. That is a reverence for the... I thank God for real repentance. Yea, would vehement desire. I have now a renewed desire to be everything God wants me to be. I now have a renewed desire to be everything that I can be. Yea, what zeal. If you're slinking back into the shadows of isolation, licking your wounds of misery because of your failure, you have yet to experience the benefits of godly sorrow. Because godly sorrow says, come on, get on fire for what I want to do. Yea, what zeal. If you've never experienced this, today's your day. It's time to experience it in the in the face of every lying devil so you can be what God said you can be. Let's take a praise break. Somebody shout right now. My God, this is not bad news. This is good news. Yay, what zeal. What revenge? Oh, no. God's going to get me back for that. God's going to get me for that. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, if that's what you think, then you have falsely interpreted that scripture. That is not talking about God taking revenge on you. When my heart condemns me, God is greater than my heart and knows all things. God's looking down at you, and after you've repented, God is saying, I know you didn't mean to do it. That was a moment of weakness. I'm on your side. Let's get back up. And I'm preaching the Word of God today. I'm preaching the truth today. I'm preaching in the Holy Ghost today. I don't know what voices you're listening to. Come on, somebody! Yea, what revenge? What's that talking about? Second Corinthians chapter number 10, three chapters later, the apostle gives us, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing. I have to do this every day. 
Am I the only one in this building that does this every day? Honey, if you don't take inventory of the thoughts that go streaming through your brain, it's no wonder that we don't have the liberty and the freedom that God has granted to us and God has given to us. You've got to work with God. You've got to be on the same. Casting down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And having in a readiness. What's that next word? Say it again. This section say it. This section say it. That's pitiful. They beat you. This section say it. This section say it. Brother Mike Whitmire, how about your section? That's not God taking revenge on you. That's God saying, I'm going to let you take revenge on your own disobedience. Next time that devil comes around, it might be days, it might be weeks, it might be months. Ah, I'm not falling this time. I'm not backing in this time. Somebody shout. Somebody praise him. Some. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Jesus was giving Peter the opportunity to take every denial. Ladies and gentlemen, I love this preaching. I wouldn't be here today if I didn't do this kind of stuff because the devil's trying to take my past and say, you're trying to pastor and you're trying to get out of bed? You ought to be under depression. You ought to be oppressed. You ought to just sit there. You ought to... But I said, no, 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 no. I do love him. I do love him. I... Come on, somebody. Somebody take vengeance on your disobedience. Go ahead and praise him. God's going to let you take vengeance on your own mistakes. But you can only do that, brother and sister sergeant, once your obedience is fulfilled. Go back to that last scripture, brother, brother Andrew. And having in a readiness, all right, I acted out of character. I listened to my stupid flesh. I listened to the voices in my head. And after I found godly sorrow, I told God, I said, God, I'm going to be watching 
it might take days. It might come around only in a yearly cycle. It might, only, it might come around in 10 years, but I'm going to be waiting for it so I can prove to God that is not who I am. That is not who I want to be. That is not what I'm going to be. But I'm now going to take vengeance because I've been living right. Somebody shout. Somebody praise him. Somebody give him glory. Somebody that's repented, praise him. That is a revelation of scripture. And it's found with warfare. That your repentance transcends the physical and is dimensional. The second dimension initiates dimensional celebration. Luke chapter 15 and verse 7. I say unto you that likewise joy, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents. What happened to baptism? What happened to receiving the Holy Ghost? Well, that's important. You got to do that to be saved. But I'm here to tell you that the angels, the entire courtroom of heaven, will rejoice over one person that experiences godly sorrow today and says the game is over. I'm tired of playing around. I'm tired of listening to the devil. I'm tired of getting commands from my flesh. I'm tired of doing what I want. It's time to do what God wants. And the angels start doing somersaults and start high-fiving because direction is more important than perfection. Somebody shout. Somebody help the pastor today. You're not going to let me preach by myself. Direction is more important than perfection. Somebody get out of your pew. Somebody lift your voice. Somebody lift your hands. All of heaven is on your side. When you say, I'm not going to do drugs anymore. I'm not going to lie anymore. I'm not going to be deceitful anymore. I'm not going to cheat anymore. I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not going to be an alcoholic anymore. The angels throw a party. My God, I'm done preaching for a minute.
I thank God for maturity. I thank God for righteousness. I thank God for separation and holiness. But honey, it's your direction that really matters. It matters what direction you're going in. It matters where you're headed. Somebody in the back shout. Somebody in the back give him praise. If you'll come to this altar today, angels will have a camp meeting. Yes! My God, I'll preach this from a wheelchair. You ain't going to stop me. Nobody in this world's going to stop this. It's a dimension of repentance. Not exciting enough for you? Listen, just inviting one person to church that comes to the altar. They don't, ha- they don't understand the revelation of Acts 2.38 being the only message of salvation. They don't understand that that incorporates the blood, water, the spirit, the death, burial, the resurrection, repentance, baptism, and the infant of the Holy Ghost. They don't have that understanding yet. But they understand, I've been talking wrong. I've been thinking wrong. I've been acting wrong. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to live for God. And when they make their way to an altar, the heaven starts doing cartwheels. Heaven has a camp meeting. The angels of God. You may be seated. That doc told me in that in that emergency room. He said, "I don't know what they're going to do. They may put a heart catheter on. You go ahead and put your heart catheter on me. I ain't pre- I ain't stopping preaching. You go ahead and put me on a stress test. I ain't stopping preaching. I am indestructible because I am not my own, and I will preach." As long as I've got strength. But I'm here to tell you, you may be sitting in the vast back 40 of this church thinking, Pastor, I just don't feel like I can run and I can shout because I'm still dealing with this and I'm still dealing with that. I understand and respect that. But, honey, if you've been to an altar where you said, I will not go back to the world. I will not go back to the bottle. I will not go back to the devil. I will not go back. Let's celebrate direction today, not perfection. Celebrate that you're moving in the right direction. Celebrate that I'm going to heaven. Celebrate that I've obeyed the word. (laughs) 
See, so many people don't comprehend this. But that's what heaven thinks about you. Because you said, God, I don't want to go back to my deceitful, lying, alcoholic ways. Go back to my cheating. Go back to my pornography. Go back to my secret life. Go back to my secret idol. And all heaven said they see what we see. But they don't see what we're doing. (laughs) So this pastor has come in here to tell you today that there's angels that celebrate over one sinner that repents more than the rest of them that need no repentance. Because angels, supernatural entities, sent as ministers to the heirs of salvation, they see eternity as a continuum, and they see time, chronological, chronology. They see it as having a birth and a death. And they realize in that, in that time period, according to the Word of God, man's age was restricted to an average of 70 years of age. And they see that in that 70 years of age, looking at the continuum of eternity, how huge of a deal of it it is for a person to recognize that there's a God and I made a mistake against that God. The three dimensions of repentance. Let's just lift our hands and love him. God's so good. God is love. And of course, it's Satan's purpose to keep you from experiencing that love. The last dimension. There may be others, but these are the three that I feel were revealed to me. It's found in Revelations chapter 12, starting in verse number 7. And there was war in heaven. We're already in another dimension. Michael is the archangel of warfare. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. He starts out as a serpent in Genesis 3, Ezekiel 28, Isaiah chapter number 14. But here, after feeding on the souls of men, he has expanded. He has become enlarged. He is now a dragon. And the dragon fought in his angels. And so this is the rarest of all scriptures cannot be found 
It's neither duplicated nor replicated in any other passage found in the entirety of the Word of God. You actually see struggle in this invisible dimension. The Bible calls it heaven. There are three heavens. There is a cosmic, there is a spirit, and then there is a physical heaven. But they fought in heaven. And the Bible says in verse number 8 that the dragon prevailed not. I think we ought to do something. Now you might think the devil's winning. I got news for you. He never was. He's on a strong leash. Heal. When God says heal, Lucifer's got to heal. The devil never was winning. Okay, let's play a little game. All the Sunday school kids say, praise the Lord. I'll let you all off the hook. It's nap time, okay? All right, here's the deal. I want us, we're going to play a little game where I'll say something, and then you, you speak out the opposite, okay? White. Very good. There might be more hope for you than I thought. Good. Right. Left. God, you just flunked. God ain't got any equals. There's only but one Lord, one faith, one baptism. The devil is a created being. There is no way in this world that he is equal to God. Only in your mind. Clap your hands. Give God the praise. Give God the glory. Give God the recognition. Somebody shout. Somebody lift your voice. A created being. Is nowhere near the creator. I don't have time to explain that today. But you can tell who you've made bigger in your life. Because the influence you've granted him. Those that are full of the Holy Ghost go like this. Devil? Or it's like knocking a gnat off a windowsill. What's the last time you've done that? Huh, huh, huh? Poop. It's like killing a fly. I hate flies. If I see a fly... Right before I retire for the evening, I'll go through that whole house until I have cornered that fly because you're not going to get on me. But when I find him, I'm going to go, bang, now I can rest. When you're talking about a devil in your life, you just say, you know what? In the name of Jesus, the power of the name, the power of the word, the power of the spirit. Come on, somebody. 
Come on, let's have fun today. Somebody give God the praise. It's not even a contest. It's not even a contest. It's not even fair. All right, let's play a little game. Brother Bradford, by faith, come here. Brother Albert, come here. You stand right here. You, Brother Albert, stand right here. Okay, Brother Leon, come here. Now, I can't use just anybody in this illustration. They got to be full of the Holy Ghost. So you're going to be the devil. Okay? Sister Peltier, don't even watch. Okay, look. You come right over here. You come right over here. You come right over here. Okay? Now, Brother Albert's been praying. Okay? Brother Leon, I want you to just kind of walk back and forth between these two. You, go over here. Okay? Right there. Okay? No. You, obey. Just walk behind these guys from side to side. Just walk back and forth from side to side. Now, Brother Albert's been praying, so the devil can't do anything to him. And, and this brother here has not been praying. In fact, in secret, nobody knows what's going on except him and God and the devil. And see, it's what's in secret that what promotes public display. Because God said, whatever I see in secret will be, will be publicly displayed. And so this guy right here has not been praying. He's just kind of, you know, five minutes on the way to work. You just get in front of him now. Okay? Okay? You come here. Brother Steve, you right here. Okay? This is his guardian angel, if you please, according to Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 3. If this man's not praying and he's given himself to sin, his guardian angel according to Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 3, has got to step back and let this guy do whatever he wants to do. Okay? Good, good, good. Now, if you repent, go ahead and act like you're repenting. Now get between him and the devil. That's why the devil seems more powerful to you. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, and the devil will flee. Somebody shout. Thank you, brethren. You may be seated. Let's give him praise. God will give you more power than he gives the devil. I'm telling you, it's dimensional. Well, Pastor, I really don't feel this stuff that you're praying. It doesn't matter. It's real. The Word of God says it's real. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. And the devil will flee. But as long as you're sneaking around, nobody knows. Nobody sees. The devil's looking at God going, <laughs> he's letting me work. He's letting me do whatever I want to do. But if you throw it aside like an old garment and say, I'm going to that altar today. I believe I've had enough of this. I believe I refuse to live like that. I refuse to act like that. Then the devil says, no, 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 no. I wanted his marriage. I wanted his children. I wanted his family. I wanted everybody. And now God gets the victory. Clap your hands. Give him praise. Somebody shout. Somebody give him praise. Somebody give God the glory.
It's that simple. Verse number nine, and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan. Does anybody know a guy named Jerome? Oh, you in the back, that's your second uncle? I'm sorry. Okay. Well, did you know that he translated the Word of God at that time into the Latin Vulgate, which is still considered to be the foundational text in which all translators translate from? Yeah. Uncle Jerome. That was his name, Jerome. When Jerome got to Isaiah chapter 14, The word of God says, O Lucifer, son of the morning. Jerome came to that and he said, ah, I don't like that. Son of the morning, man, that's a little bit like bright morning star. I I don't like that. And so... Biblical commentators have argued this point for years, that Jerome took it upon himself to change that word there where it said, O Lucifer, because that's the very, that is the only usage found in where Satan was being named. And so he changed it because he did not like sun of the morning being close to bright and morning star. And so according to the word of God, listen to me carefully, I'm almost done, but this is too good for me to rob this congregation of this. And so the devil has no name. Go home and study this. Well, his name's called Satan. Satan's not a name, it's a title. It means adversary. The word devil literally means to rail. It means to speak evil. It's not, a, it's not a name, it's a title. Dragon is not a name, it's a title. There is no personal identification for the devil. Which is why in the third century, oh, I love this. Oh, I love this. The very first thing that they did at the Council of Nicaea in the 3rd century before Constantine could rename Byzantium Constantinople in Rome's attempt to recapture the apostolic age and bring it back under dominion of Roman rule is he formed a council and in order to depart doctrinally from the doctrine of the apostles they changed baptism 
from the name to titles. Devil, dragon, Lucifer, slimy one. I've been born in the name. The only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The name at which every knee shall bow in heaven and in the earth and under the earth. Somebody praise him. If you understand that, praise him. Father is not a name, it's a title. Son is not a name, it's a title. Holy Ghost is not a name, it's a title. And so there's a war in another dimension. And the dragon and his angels, a third. It's been interpreted for the last 2,000 years because in earlier verses it said that this dragon drew a third of the stars. I don't have time to get into all this, but this particular passage of Scripture in, in Revelation chapter 12 is so vast and so interesting. It goes way beyond this message today. Some have even assumed that it's cosmic and it represents astrology because even, even the early Hebrews had their own form of astrology. The astrology that is enjoyed today, Sagittarius and Virgo and Aquarius, that's all Babylonian. But he was cast out and cast down to the earth. What happens? And the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. Not me. Not you. If you're deceived, if at the end of all this, if you end up being deceived, you're a fool. Because you spent your entire life and effort in a place that was doing their absolute best to get you the truth, to find out who God was, to find out who you are, and to find out who the devil was. See, the trophies of hell is not going to be some dude in a den of iniquity or some guy falling off of a bar stool. The heroes of hell that are going to be shown off for all eternity are going to be those that sat in an apostolic church that preached truth. Because they were so close. Come on, somebody. Man, I knew I was going to be preaching today. It sure was anointed back in my office. I'm thinking, man, I'm getting excited. The devil's just 
constantly reminding me of that, that doctor in the white robe with a catheter coming towards me. Well, I'm here to rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I'm going to preach till I get on oxygen today. I'm going to preach with everything in me because there's people here today that need to find an altar of repentance, that need to find a place of change, that need to find a place where they can change. was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God somebody said praise the Lord and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down which accused them before our God day and night that's all Satan's got see See, he listens to me and not you. See, he's doing what I want him to do and not you. Ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly how it goes down. You shouldn't bless him because of this. You shouldn't use him because of that. Go to the next verse, verse number 11. But they overcame him. Come on, you ain't going to overcome with Jenny Craig. You're going to only overcome this way. When the devil reminds me of what I did, I remind him of where he's going. Devil, you might have had yesterday, but you can't have tomorrow. Come on, somebody, preach with me. How did they overcome him by the blood? Where is the blood applied? You are only as strong as the last time you repented. You're only as strong. You are still living on that last time you repented. Oh, come on. Somebody help me out. Y'all are making me work too hard. Blood is applied at repentance. And the word of their testimony. Because anybody that's truly repentant says, yeah, I, made a, I might have made a mistake. But it's under the blood. The word of your testimony is, 
You might have been backslid a month, a year, 10 years, 20 years. The only way that a testimony dies is if you never pray back through. The only way that a testimony dies is it never has blood applied to it again. Because when you look at Pastor Rick Mayo, you're not going to see an absolute lily white record of perfection. It's going to be solid red. It's going to be covered in the blood. And that's what keeps me going. And that's what keeps me praying. And that's what, come on, somebody. Stand to your feet and clap your hands and give God the praise. The word of my testimony. I'm not perfect, but I'm forgiven. Somebody shout. Somebody praise him. All right. We preached enough. You've had enough. Thank you for your thank you for your patience and your endurance endurance here today. The three dimensions of repentance. I want us to lift our hands and pray because there are people God has prepared you for this altar call here today. This altar call is for all of those that are hungering to be released from the past and be permitted to move forward in the present, but then empowered by God to move into the future. Come on, let's pray, church. Every time at this point in the service, I'm asking musicians to come if you would. At this point of the service, saints, let's start working together. We should already start praying. God, start working over here. And God, I pray your conviction is working over here. And God, I pray that your spirit is, come on, this is what, this is maturity of the pulpit and the pew working together. God, move in this place today and begin to work in people's hearts and work in people's lives. While they begin to play and sing, this altar's open. Somebody that's weary from the devil absolutely eating your lunch. God bless you, Sean. I need some, I need some brethren to come. There are some people under the sound of my voice, this is your time. This is your moment. Come on, let's begin to sing and play. Church, come on. Let's find somebody to, to work with and to pray with here today. This is a time for new beginnings. We're not talking about perfection. We're talking about direction. You're here today. God brought you to this place here today. Come on, saint. Why don't you invite somebody? Invite somebody to an altar where the power of God is at work, where the Spirit of God is at work.
Come with godly sorrow in your heart. Come with godly sorrow upon your lips. God will not refuse that. God will not turn that away. A broken and a contrite heart, he will not refuse. But the delusion of perfection needs to become shattered in this altar today.